Good morning, everyone. My name is Jordi Bagwell, and I have been attending North Star for about four years now. Um, I am a small group leader over at HSM for our senior girls on Sunday evenings, and my husband, Evan, and I are part of an incredible small group here at North Star. This morning, I will be reading Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 41. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not done the work with them. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Hey church, it's good to be with you today. Uh, I always count it an honor uh, anytime that I get to open God's word um, for God's people. Um, so just so happy to be with you guys today. So Acts chapter 15 is where we'll be camped out. Um, but about two weeks ago, uh, I finished a, a memoir by Phil Knight, um, who is the founder of Nike. Um, as of last night, uh, Nike is a 30 billion, that is billion uh, dollar company. Uh, so as I began this book, I was kind of expecting for him to talk about, you know, 1964, um, Oregon, I, and his mission of creating the greatest shoe for the greatest athletes in the world. And I kind of expected for it just to kind of be this like, I created the shoe and it popped off and it became huge and now it's a $30 billion company. Um, but as I read through this 355 pages of this book, uh, here's kind of what I found, is that yes, Phil Knight, in 1964, created the Blue Ribbon Shoe Company in his parents' basement. And for the course of the next 40 or 50 years, there is one word that I would use to mark this book and to mark Nike's story. And the story, the word is not, not victory, which is what Nike means, um, but in fact, it's conflict. That, that this book just continued time and time again, that, that the Blue Ribbon Shoe Company, that Phil Knight, that his team, Man, they were faced with immense conflict and opposition. Sometimes it was external that, that, the, um, that the production wasn't happening with the shoes, that the banks wouldn't give enough money. Uh, and then sometimes it would be internal that, man, his employees were not happy with his leadership style. And there was this immense conflict. But then, as you know, now the likes of Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Bo Jackson, Tiger Woods, they all wear the swoosh. There was a mission, there was immense conflict, and then there was the result. So why do I start there this morning? Is as we find ourselves in God's word today in Acts chapter 15, we see that Paul and Barnabas, who have been the primary drivers, the primary missionaries of the local church, they find themselves with conflict. And I think that if you and I are honest with one another, that we know and that God has given our church a mission, that God has given the universal church a mission. And if you and I are not careful, conflict that happens within these walls, conflict that happens on our social media feeds, conflict that happens within our homes, conflict that happens within our own hearts can stamp out that flame that is the mission. And so today I want us to, to walk through this text together um, word by word and verse by verse. And I hope that as we do that, 
that we'll see that the mission that we have is so critical. And regardless of what conflict stands in our way, that our mission must prevail. So if I was to title today's message, um, considering Paul and Barney were, were basically brothers, 15 years of service, um, it would be entitled, When Brothers Fight. So if you've got your Bibles, Acts chapter 15, verse 36 um, is where we'll be. Um, but before we do that, um, because I do not teach today on the authority of a 28-year-old boy, um, I teach on the authority of God's word. Could you guys pray with me and uh, pray for me? Father, Thank you for your son, Jesus, and his life and his death and his resurrection. It's um, through his name that I pray. And I just ask, um, Lord, over these next few minutes um, that your people would hear your word and that their lives would be changed. And if you would, would uh, you pray that God would speak to you today. And if you would, uh, would you uh, pray for me that I would truly be helpful to you this morning, that this hour of your time would matter this week. So Father, we love you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. Amen. All right, so if uh, you haven't been with us, we have been journeying through Acts over the course of um, the past few months, and I'm all about holy repetition. So if you've heard this before, I apologize, but you're gonna like this. So the Bible that you have in front of you has 66 book in it, books in it, all telling one story of God's redemptive plan of humanity. It's primarily broken up into two sections, your Old Testament and your New Testament. Your New Testament has um, 27 books in it, four gospels, one book, one book of history, 21 letters to churches and Christians, and one book of prophecy. We are in the book of Acts, which is that one book of history. So, so much of what we read is a narrative, not necessarily what's normal. Um, and a lot of what we read is just descriptive, not prescriptive. Um, and in the book of Acts, the church is born. We see the word of God exploding all over the cities. We see that Paul and Barnabas have gone on their first missionary journey and they're sharing the gospel, the good news about Jesus in all of these different cities. And here's what's happening in those three cities. We're seeing that they not only bring the good news in word, but they also bring it in deed, that they live out what they're saying. The second thing we see that they're forming communities of ethnic diversity in which all, in which all people are equal, that there is no discrimination in the early church. And lastly, we see there are a group of people who are led by the Holy Spirit um, in love and in service. So we pick up our story today in Acts chapter 15, right on the heels of, Mike last week crushed it, by the way, um, the Jerusalem Council, in which we decided that salvation is always by grace through faith in Christ. That regardless of your ethnicity, you are saved when you say, Jesus, I turn from my sin and I trust in you. And so Paul has an idea. And we pick up and hear about Paul's idea in chapter 15, verse 36. And God's word says this to us this morning. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. So Paul knows, hey, we have made our way into all these cities. We're back in our home base of Antioch. 
let us return to them and see how they are. That phrase, um, see how they are, literally means to sit down for a visit, to check in with them. So what does it mean when he says that we proclaimed the word of the Lord? Because at this point, um, this is about 30 years after the um, crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, um, the Bible has not been um, put together yet. There is no New Testament. So what is the, the word of the Lord that he's been teaching in these cities? Um, last time I was with you guys, we talked about the gospel in 10 words. Does anyone remember this gospel in 10 words? Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. Well, when he's talking about the word of the Lord, he is talking about the good news about Jesus. But if I was to sum it up today, I wanna do it in four movements. This is what Paul and Barnabas are preaching in every city, four movements, are you ready? The four movements are God, man, Christ, response. God, man, Christ, response. So I'm gonna use this part of the stage for God. So what they would teach, the word of the Lord is that God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. That he is holy, perfect, and unchangeable. And this God created man for relationship with himself, God. And this man that he created, very good and in relationship with God, has turned away from him. And we have chosen our own roads. We have chosen our own ways like that song sang so beautifully earlier. And that our sins, in fact, friends, are an offense to God's holy character. And because we have offended God, because we have turned our back to him, his right and just wrath rests upon us. And then if we continue away from God forever, we'll be separated from him forever. God, man, but in God's kindness, the welcoming nature of the father, he sent Christ who is fully God and fully man, who was born of a virgin, who lived a perfect life, who kept the law like we could never keep. And then he died on a Roman cross and then rose up again three days later, which we're gonna celebrate in a couple weeks. And then he defeated death forever and that sin was unturned. God, man, Christ. And then last week, Mike nailed it with this, is response is that this message, this, this historical events must be responded to. That it's not just something we agree with, we have, to, we have to say yes or no. And the response is we either have to turn from our sin and trust in Christ, or we turn from God and run towards sin. And so we must respond. And so maybe you're in the room today and you're not a follower of Jesus. This is our distinct gospel, that God is holy, that man is sinful, that Christ has made a way, and it's up to you to respond. This is, as Paul would say, the word of the Lord. But Paul isn't interested in this second missionary journey of necessarily telling them about the word of the Lord again. Instead, he says, let's see how they are. You see, Paul is actually interested in the growth of the spiritual children that he had born. So I'm super biased. I really like doctors, okay? Um, my wife is going to be a pediatrician. I spent time with a, with a bunch of OBGYNs this weekend. Like, like, I like doctors. They're great. They do amazing things. Some of you are like, oh, I do not like doctors. They're expensive. But uh, it, it's so funny to me. Think about it this way for me, okay? 
is that on Paul's first missionary journey in which he's proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the word of the Lord, Paul is an OBGYN. That he is responsible for the spiritual birth of his children. And, And how do we experience spiritual birth? By repenting and believing. And that is, I mean, that's one of the primary um, metaphors in the New Testament is being reborn. Anybody wanna enter eternal life? You must be reborn. How? By turning from our sin and trusting in Christ. He's the OBGYN. Yeah, you didn't think church was going this way this morning. (laughs) Missionary journey number one. But here in number two, Paul isn't interested in being an OBGYN anymore. Paul wants to be a pediatrician. So instead, what does a pediatrician do? Jameson, what do pediatricians do? They, they make sure that a child is on the right steps of hitting all of the per- certain markers of are they walking on time? Are they talking on time? Are they eating properly? Like, like, are they growing as a healthy child would? And you see here that Paul is not just concerned with the church's birth, he's concerned with the church's growth. And the same is true of you, that that North Star, that God is not just concerned with you trusting in Christ one time and then never growing. North Star wants to see you grow, wants to see you become a healthy, full disciple of Jesus Christ. You see, the mission of Paul and Barnabas here in verse 36 isn't just the mission for Paul and Barnabas. It's our mission too, if you, uh, Matthew 28, don't worry about flipping there. Uh, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. These are Jesus's last words to us. And what does he say? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age that Jesus has commanded us, he has commissioned us. This scripture here is referred to as the great commission. That the same mission that was given to Paul and Barnabas is the same mission that Jesus has given to us in Matthew 28, that we are meant to go and make disciples, AKA our mission is to reach and to teach that we are meant to reach our community, reach our world, reach our schools, reach our workplaces with the gospel. And then we are also meant to teach those people the way of Jesus so that they can have God's best. So what do we do with that? Now what? Yes, Jesus has given us this mission. What do we do? Two questions. And I'll be honest, I don't like the questions because they, they, cha- they honestly challenge me. This is hard for me. Here are my two questions. Who am I sharing the gospel with? Who am I sharing the gospel with? And if I can't answer that question immediately, I need to begin praying for who that needs to be. If I, if I can't say, this is who, then I need to begin to say, Lord, who, who is it that you would want me to share the greatest news in the world that they can be freed from their sins and can live with ever with God? Who am I sharing the gospel with? Reach. Second question is who am I investing in? Who am I, who am I giving 
myself away to, to invest in them, to help them know God and to live like Jesus. Who am I investing in? And say the same thing that if, if you don't have an immediate answer to this, then today, I mean, we need to begin praying, Lord, who is it that you would have me invest in? Because here's the thing, catch this, is that the great commission given to us by Jesus, if we can't answer those questions, becomes the great omission. That we, oof, heard this earlier this week, haven't gotten over it yet. This is gonna sound weird, so stick with me. Is you and I have got to stop just agreeing with Jesus. Because I read this and I go, yes, I agree, Jesus. We have got to stop just agreeing with Jesus and actually obey him. That our agreeance with his statutes is not obedience. And Paul and Barnabas are about to head out on journey number two, reaching and teaching. But as we know, with great mission comes great conflict. So let's pick up in verse 37. And God's word says this. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement. So one of my Bible tips that I probably say every time is you always follow the verbs. What's going on with the verb? So we see that Barnabas wanted and Paul thought best. Um, that they, they really, this whole John Mark situation took place in Acts chapter 13, where basically John Mark bailed. Like things got tough, John Mark bounced. And it's here that Barnabas now wanted to bring back Barnabas into the mission. And this, this word wanted carries on the connotation of insisted like continually insisted. It's the imperfect um, tense in Greek, which essentially means that it was ongoing. Like he kept on insisting, he kept on insisting. John Mark's coming with us. But Paul had thought best also in the imperfect tense. And this really carries on the connotation of being determined. Like he kept on being determined. He's not coming. So we've got someone who's insistent and we've got someone who's determined and they disagree. Brothers, 15 years of ministry experience. What are we gonna do? And so, so many people will, will ask, who's right? Which one of them is right? Which one of them is wrong? Tex is over here, Cole is over here. Both. I've heard a commentator say that, that Barnabas was thinking with his heart. Let's bring him back. Let's reinstate him. He can do this. Where Paul was making a decision from his head. This isn't wise. He bailed once and it's not gonna get any easier. He's not coming back. They're both right. And as they come together in this disagreement, what are we gonna do? Who's gonna budge? And I, and I hate it here that it says, and arose a sharp disagreement. This is uh, the Greek word parauxmas, which is where we get the word paroxysm, which is a sudden attack or violent expression of a particular emotion or activity. 
it, it almost takes on the connotation of they ran hot. And once again, Texas is over here, Cole's over here. I think they were wrong. I think they were both right. And I also think they were both wrong because they allowed for this non-essential thing to cause them to run hot and to have a violent disagreement with one another. Both right, both wrong. So they separated from each other. You see, so much of the book of that book of Acts is descriptive and not prescriptive. What I mean by that is that it's what happened, not what we should do. And it's here that they have decided to split over this disagreement, not a split about the mission, but a split about the personnel for the mission. And so here may be some phrases to kind of help you think through in what instances it makes sense for two to split. Like, why would they do this? So let's check this out with me. Three things. Is in essentials, the core, we must have unity. In non-essentials, which I would think this is what that is, non-essentials, we have liberty. But in all things, we have charity. That when it comes to the absolute crucial pieces of our faith, we must have unity. I mean, we're on the heels of the Jerusalem cruises, where we're, or the Jerusalem council. I can never say that word right. And, and they are having to decide, how does salvation work? This is essential. We must have unity. Paul and Barnabas are all in. But when it comes to the personnel of how this mission will be accomplished, we have disagreement where I would say there would need to be liberty. So maybe to help you kind of think through this, um, it'll be a month, and just about a month, uh, my wife and I will celebrate our one-year anniversary. We're pros. Um, and it's, uh, so we're, we're, we're gonna celebrate that. And, and so there are certain things that we have to have essentials that in which we much have unity. So for us, our vows are those essentials. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I call, take you, Jameson, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish as long as we both shall live. According to God's holy word, this is my solemn vow. Essential, we must have unity. But how I fold the towels? <laughs> Non-essential, liberty, liberty. And in all things, charity. So what do, we, what do we take away from this descriptive text from the book of Acts? Is that we as followers of Jesus, we are not immune to conflict. We're not. One of the reasons why I think Luke left this in here is for us to know that two of the fathers of the faith went at odds. What's to make us think that we won't? And I think it also protects us from having an idealized version of what church is supposed to look like. It keeps us away from thinking, oh, like if my pastor wasn't like this, if my small group leader wasn't like this, like, like the way that if we just did it this way, it would all be perfect, that the grass is greener on the other side. And the scripture is telling us, man, Paul and Barnabas, their mission, they were unified. When it came to how to practice it, disagreement. And disagreement will come. So now what? What do we do with this? What are you gonna do with this? Is we need to respond gently and humbly before God and people. Respond gently and humbly before God and people. You see, there have been many times when conflict has arisen that I have regretted my pride. 
that I have regretted thinking, no, I am right about this and I'm willing to win the argument but lose the relationship. Can I tell you that I've never regretted responding in humility by choosing that choosing to be kind was better than choosing to be right? May when the conflict comes, may we have the perspective of knowing that even the fathers of our faith butted heads and may we respond with gentleness and with grace. 15 years, Paul and Barnabas split. So they separated from one another and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, which is his hometown. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. One time in scripture, we see that there is multiplication by division. That there's multiplication by division. That the church's mission actually multiplies as they split that God in his sovereignty, that God in his providence has even used this split to say, hey, my church will go. My mission will spread. That instead of just one missionary team, we've got two missionary teams. Instead of just two guys together, we've got six guys going out. Multiplication by division. Oh, and this is probably my favorite part of this story, you guys, is that we're in this series called Resilient, where we're learning about what it looks like for us to have a resilient faith. You know what makes our faith resilient? Is that we have a resilient gospel. That our message, that our our absolute like testament to the world is not contingent upon sinful men, but it is contingent upon a sovereign God who will see his message spread to the world. That it is resilient. So here's the fun thing. I I challenged us to share the gospel and to invest in people um, on point number one there. Here's the wonderful thing. It doesn't rely on you. (sighs) Relies on God and you are but an instrument in his hand in which he is crafting the world of his chosen people. Our gospel is resilient. It's why in Matthew 18, Jesus says, for the gates of hell shall not prevail for I'm building my church. Our gospel is resilient. This makes me think about uh, an old story. Um, Y'all are gonna think this is wild, but um, there's a a French philosopher, a um, a critical thinker, Voltaire. And in 1776, Voltaire was known of uh, having this famous quote. He's a major critic of Christianity, thought it was absolute junk. And he said, within a hundred years of my death, the only Bible that will exist will be the one that sits in the museum because it has no place for man. Voltaire dies, and about 50 years later, the Genevan Bible Society took over his house and began printing Bibles and storing Bibles in Voltaire's home. Our gospel is resilient. The message will march on. So what do we do with that? What are we to do with this? We pursue Christ and his kingdom above all things. We pursue him 
and his kingdom above all things. We pursue Christ and his kingdom above our preferences. We pursue Christ in his kingdom above what makes us comfortable. We pursue Christ in his kingdom above what is convenient. We pursue Christ in his kingdom above our political party. We pursue Christ in his kingdom above what's financially advantageous. We pursue Christ in his kingdom above all things. Why? We, you, us, have been given a mission. Not to be nice neighbors and to help clean up our community, which is amazing things, but to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in word and in deed and to teach people what it looks like to follow Jesus. Not because we think we figured it out, but actually because we realized we couldn't figure it out, but he's the way. But there is coming conflict. Maybe you are about to walk into it. Maybe you're in the middle of it. Maybe you're on the back end. Conflict will come. But may we not let it snuff out the mission. Because point number three, despite conflict, our message must march on. Despite conflict, our message must march on. So today, church, we are going to sing a song. Not about us, not about our preferences, not about our, what's convenient. We're going to declare a song about our cornerstone, about the one in which all of this pivots and all of this changes in which we've built everything in our faith off of. And it's him and his kingdom. Can I pray for you? Father, would you help us? Would you help me to choose Christ above all things? That the mission that you have given us, oh Lord, may it not be stamped out by conflict. So Holy Spirit, would you stir up in us a desire and a longing to see your mission go across the ocean and to see it go across the street. This song is our offering to you, Lord. And we sing it and we pray it in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.